You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Remember, Lockdown Wolves is free and available on every single platform you'll find out there, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Happy Timberwolves preseason game day. Preseason game number two is this evening against the Denver Nuggets at 8 p.m. Central in Denver. Um, and uh, we'll talk all about that, of course, uh, as we get into next week. Not a whole lot to preview for a preseason game. We'll touch on it briefly here off the top, as well as some keynotes from practice on Thursday from training camp practice. Um, a couple of other uh, comments made by Chris Finch, head coach Chris Finch, following practice. We're going to hit all that here off the top. Then we'll get into John Hollinger's article at The Athletic. He did a season preview of the Timberwolves. Uh, what are his thoughts on the Wolves? What does he think their final record will be this year and where they'll finish in the West? And then we'll touch on Chad Ford's top 25 under 25 players uh, and and which Timberwolves player landed on that list. And, uh, you know, what we talked last week about fan-sided's similar list, uh, named 25 under 25 as well. And uh, the Wolves did not have any players on that version of the list. So we'll talk all about that here at the conclusion of the show today. Um, let's go ahead and jump into the, to the practice notes. Um, first of all... Uh, the uh, there were a couple of quotes out there floating around from Chris Finch and uh, Dane Moore of the Dane Moore NBA podcast had uh, a quote from Chris Finch on Malik Beasley. I thought this was perhaps the most interesting thing to come out of practice on Monday or excuse me, on Thursday. He said, uh, quote, we've said that if you want to be a good team, you're going to have to play seven or eight quality starter players. He's a starter player. He meaning Malik Beasley, but maybe best if the strength of his role with different lineups than the starting lineup basically means he's probably not going to start at the beginning of the season. Now, I talked about this with Josh Lloyd on the Lockdown NBA show two, maybe three weeks ago now. He agreed with Chris Finch. He thought Beasley would come off the bench. I thought Beasley was more likely to start. Uh, you know, I thought Edwards would play the three. Beasley would start at the two. Um, and then off the bench, you'd have Josh Okogie. You'd have Patrick Beverly playing some off the ball with D'Angelo Russell. Um, and, uh, you know, Jane McDaniels primarily playing the three, which I thought... Uh, you know, Jared Vanderbilt at the four kind of facilitates all that. Well, according to Finch, it sounds like just like in the first preseason game, Beasley will come off the bench kind of in that sixth man instant offense type role. Uh, he went on to talk about playing Malik Beasley with D'Angelo Russell because D'Lo can get Malik Beasley easy shots. Um, we've talked plenty in this podcast about Beasley is such a unique um, 20 point per game score because he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He doesn't need to be ball dominant um, in order to get his points. He's not going to beat the ball into the floor. He's not going to dribble the air out of the ball. He's going to uh, score the majority of his points in catch and shoot situations. And of course, D'Angelo Russell running the offense, Anthony Edwards running the offense will be conducive to Beasley getting some of those easy your shots. He scores a little in transition, a little bit as a cutter, and he's good at all those things, but he is not great at putting the ball on the floor and scoring for himself, which fits because that is something that D'Angelo Russell likes to do primarily on jump shots, of course, but he likes, you know, he doesn't have a high percentage of assisted shots normally. Um, Carl Anthony Towns can score in a variety of ways. Anthony Edwards likes to drive to the basket and likes to pull up and shoot threes. Malik Beasley would much rather catch and shoot, score as a cutter, or score in transition. He's not going to score a ton off the bounce in the half court or initiate a whole lot of offense either. And so Finch's point about playing Beasley with Russell is well taken. It makes a lot of sense. Um, 
it, it's also a little curious because the easiest way to do that would be to put Beasley in the starting lineup with Russell um, and with Anthony Edwards. And then coming off the bench, you mix and match, right? I mean, Patrick Beverly is going to be the de facto backup point guard, but he's not always going to going to initiate the offense, right? He's a point guard in name only because that's the position, that's the role he's going to play. But it's not really the role he's going to play when he's on the court, right? Beverly doesn't really initiate that much offense. He mostly plays off the ball on the offensive end of the floor. He can guard two, three positions on defense and, and do it very well. So Beverly's going to be the backup point guard to Russell. But when Beverly's on the court, we're going to see Anthony Edwards. We may see some um, Carl Anthony Towns, some Jade McDaniels initiate an offense. Uh, and maybe even some Jordan McLaughlin mixed in. We saw him come off the bench fairly early in the game, uh, in the first preseason game on Monday. No idea if that's going to be the case once we get to the regular season. Um, And then closing lineups, and and this is a a topic mostly for another day, but I've talked about this before. I think it's very likely that we see Beverly and Russell on the floor together in closing lineups because they can either initiate offense or play off the ball. They're both good spot-up catch-and-shoot guys from outside the arc. And, uh, you know, the Wolves are going to need Beverly's defense on the floor. And that then also allows you to play, you know, Anthony Edwards at the three, perhaps. And it, it, it gives you the flexibility to have McDaniels at the four or take him off the floor entirely. Uh, more likely McDaniels at the four, Edwards at the three, and then your backcourt of Russell and Beverly um, with obviously Towns at the five. But during the game, um, there's going to be a lot more mixing and matching. And Malik Beasley is going to need to struggle probably to find that 28, 29, 30 minutes a game. Um and very likely could come off the bench is what it sounds like, what we're hearing from Chris Finch at this stage um, in, in training camp. Um, so I thought that was the most interesting quote coming out of uh, of practice on Thursday. Finch also talked a little bit about pick and roll and how they're not going to run a ton of it this year on offense. We saw that after he took over last year, the number of pick and rolls the Wolves ran dropped precipitously after Ryan Saunders was fired and Chris Finch took over. We saw a lot more, um, you know, just, just different, different action that Finch ran, you know, a lot more putting Towns in the mid post, putting him in the high post, allowing him to operate outside the arc even, which is something Saunders always talked about, but the Wolves never really did that much. We saw more Towns in the low post, um, a lot of horn sets, you know, a lot of stuff that's going to obviously involve on ball screening, but not a lot of straight pick and roll like we saw, um, you know, under Tom Thibodeau, certainly, and then also under, uh, under Ryan Saunders. Um, the other note coming out of practice, this isn't specific to, you know, uh, media availability after practice, but Zarko Durasic, I mentioned this on Thursday show, he was rehired by the Timberwolves. Of course, he was let go. His contract was allowed to expire uh, when Gerson Rosas was in charge. Now that Gupta's back in charge, or not back in charge, now that Gupta is in charge, Sasha and Gupta, um, Zarko Durasic is once again part of the Timberwolves front office, was at practice uh, on Thursday. And then also, uh, interestingly, I don't know anything about uh, this individual, but the Wolves have added a new director of player programs, and that's Moses Ahambi. And I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, He was on Nate Bjorken's staff with the Pacers last season, has joined the Timberwolves as director of player programs. This was actually uh, reported first by Scott Agnes, who's an Indianapolis-based reporter that covers the Pacers. So um, interesting. Another addition to the front office slash bench, I guess this um, this role likely works a little bit with both the coaching staff and players as well as in the front office, almost sort of a, um, a go-between in a sense, I would think. Um, so another interesting note related to staffing. Uh, what I want to do next, I want to look at the John Hollinger's, uh, or I should, John Hollinger's uh, piece on the athletic previewing the Timberwolves for the season. He's of course going through the entire league, but the Wolves piece was released on Thursday. So I want to hit on the high points there and, uh, and give my thoughts on John's thoughts. Before we do that though, let's talk about our friends over at Sleeper. 
In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are also over. The days of giving up halfway through the season because of said busy work are definitely over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All that adds up to more strategy, but less of the dreaded busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code, and if you play fantasy football, which by the way, I do, and my dynasty league is on Sleeper, and it's fantastic, or if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you are going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. All right, let's talk about John Hollinger. Um, so this is part of a series. Hollinger's going through all 30 teams in the league and previewing uh, their rosters for the season. The Timberwolves uh, preview went live on Thursday. And uh, he goes through the entire roster. Obviously, I'm not going to read a ton of this. This is, of course, at The Athletic, so it is behind the paywall. You need to be a subscriber to read it. And also, I'm not just going to, to straight read the article. But the high points are basically, he goes through the Wolves' tumultuous offseason, talks about how they've had a really kind of shallow rotation, not a ton of NBA caliber talent, um, and that they've seemed to have shored that up a little bit. He goes through the offseason moves, basically says that they were trying to manage, you know, trying to avoid the luxury tax. tax. And indeed, they're less than a million dollars away from it. And so they did that effectively. So the summary of moves, of course, the Rubio for Torian Prince and future second round pick trade, trading Culver and Juancho to Memphis for Patrick Beverly, signing Land, uh, Leandro Bomaro from last year's draft, re-signing Vanderbilt to McLaughlin, bringing in Nathan Knight and McKinley Wright on two-way deals, letting Ed Davis walk, and then, of course, firing Gerson Rosas just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and then he basically... I, by the way, Hollinger says here what I had said at the time, the Rubio deal was necessary to keep the Wolves below the luxury tax, but it sent out, as he calls him, one of their better players for a more marginal one in Prince. Um, I, I think this is one of the only places that I've heard, it, I've said this consistently since the trade, in a vacuum, Ricky Rubio is a better player than Torian Prince. And I know that Torian Prince has shot the lights out in training camp. I know that he can shoot threes. I know that he's had injuries. I get all that. Um, but again, in a vacuum, Ricky Rubio is a better player than Torian Prince. The Wolves did help themselves stay under the tax with this deal. They did get an extra second round pick. And yes, Prince is a better fit for the way the Wolves are playing. I don't know that Hollinger would say that. My take is Prince is a better fit because, um, and not and not the move by itself, but the follow-up move of getting Patrick Beverly, because I think Beverly's a better fit as a backup point guard than Rubio. Um, Rubio is obviously more ball dominant in order to be impactful in offense. He's got to have the ball in his hands. Beverly's going to play off the ball. He's, uh, again, probably a, a better defender, is a better defender than Rubio. Um, certainly in a one-on-one -on -one situation as a perimeter defender talked the other day, he was one of seven players league wide to get a vote from league GMs as the best perimeter defender in the league. Um, and, you know, Prince fits in that he can guard multiple position positions, primarily plays the three and the four. And it makes sense. Um, and then he, he, you know, Hollinger goes on to talk about the rest of the moves being, as he calls them, mundane. Their cap situation is not great, although they have expiring contracts of Patrick Beverly, Torian Prince, and Jake Lehman. About $40 million in expiring that they can use with future draft picks to, to as Hollinger puts it, nab a big fish. 
of course, big Ben Simmons is the ideal big fish that they that they are chasing. But it means that later this season they could package some of those deals and picks to land and take on future salary, even if it's not this year, take on future salary because of all those expirings. And we know the Wolves aren't going to do a whole lot in free agency, and and um, and, and therefore this is the way to upgrade the roster, right? Um, he goes on to talk. He does an interesting twelve uh, players in twelve words or less. So these quick. Uh, kind of snippets what he thinks of players. Uh, I think it's more interesting than anything else. One of the interesting things that comes out of this is is Hollinger doesn't think a whole lot of the Wolves' forward position. So he talks about quality starters in Russell, Edwards, and Towns. Although, by the way, he doesn't think a whole lot of D'Angelo Russell in general and talks about him being a max player who doesn't deserve the max contract necessarily. He doesn't use the word doesn't deserve or the phrase doesn't deserve, but pretty clear he's not super high in Russell. And I've said this too. Russell's not a max player. He is a nice player, and I think he can be beneficial and, and have a really good season for the Wolves, but he is overpaid. But he talks about quality starters in Russell, Edwards, and Towns and quality backups in Beverly, Beasley, and Nas Reed. He really likes Nas Reed. That's obvious. Um, but he doesn't think as much about Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince, Jared Vanderbilt, and Josh Okoge. They're all somewhat limited, right? I mean, Jaden McDaniels, we don't know how much of an offensive game he has yet, and he doesn't guard the four quite as effectively because of his size or lack of lack of size more accurately. Um, Torian Prince, you know, doesn't, he's a three point shooter. He's an inconsistent defender, but he can guard multiple positions. Jared Vanderbilt doesn't have an offensive game, but he's energy and defense. And Josh Okoge has no offensive game either. And so uh, basically Hollinger says that um, McDaniels and Vanderbilt have a chance to, to win the starting jobs at the three or the four or both really. Um, And, uh, and I I don't think he gives enough credit for the likely development of Jaden McDaniels. I mean, Remember, McDaniel's was a one-and-done college player who was on a, a you know not a great team in Washington, um, struggled in conference play in the Pac-12, and was a pleasant surprise as a rookie as a as a 19-year-old. There's certainly a lot of upside there, and he doesn't really account much, I don't think, for the potential development of McDaniel's, especially. And Vanderbilt, of course, is still young, but has been in the league a few years. Um, and he goes to goes on to say something I've talked about on the show about how Vanderbilt's a great fit with the starters more so than the bench because. Vanderbilt and Towns' skill sets mesh because Vanderbilt does nothing on the perimeter, but he can be energetic and and uh, grab rebounds and defend on the perimeter more so than Towns and, and allow Towns to take a little bit of a different role defensively. Um, so he goes on to just kind of talk about how the Wolves can kind of cobble together this rotation, but somebody's got to emerge. One or two of these guys have to emerge as solid wing, you know, forward options moving forward for the Timberwolves. And it, it seems like he's rather dubious that that's going to happen. He gets to his projection, and this is where it's interesting. Um, I'll, I'll read what he says. Hollinger says, the Wolves look like they'll have a halfway decent team and could even push into the postseason. The team played much better in the second half of last season with Towns in the lineup and Finch on the sideline. Goes on to talk about Edwards making progress. Towns looking like he's ready to be a top-tier center again. Um, he says Finch needs to find at least half of a guard who tries on defense between Russell and Edwards, which is uh, similar to how I put that in the past. As long as Russell tries on defense and if Edwards continues to improve, I think they'll be okay. Um, he talks about an injury to Towns, leaves a hole in the middle. Obviously, if Towns gets hurt, there's no team in the league that has a backup center good enough to to replace you know a good chunk of what Towns does. Um, so then his last paragraph is this. It seems more likely this season ends in an encouraging, we almost did it rather than a breakthrough, especially given the number of Western Conference teams projected in the 35 to 45 win range. But Minnesota could be an explosive offensive team this season, and I won't be shocked if the Wolves land in the play-in tournament. His win total projection is 36, so 36 and 46, and 12th in the Western Conference. We talked about Zach Lowe ESPN yesterday. He had the Wolves 12th in the West as well and said it wouldn't surprise him if they ended up 
making the play and almost an identical analysis in terms of, you know, the, obviously uh, Hollinger's is a much more thorough analysis. Um, the win total is, I believe the, the, the Vegas total over at bet online. I've got to check again, but last I looked, I think it was 36 and a half. So they're both probably going slightly under, which shows you just how on the nose Vegas uh, is with these things. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, 36 and 46 would obviously be a disappointment if the wolves are healthy. That's the thing. And I've said this all along. If the Wolves are healthy, there's no way this is a below 500 team. I, I truly believe that. That's how good Towns is. That's how good Anthony Edwards was at the end of last season. So we're projecting that out a little. But relative health is a really important thing. And, and I, I could buy, you know, if Towns misses a dozen, you know, 18 games, something like that. If D'Angelo Russell has injuries, yeah, this could be a 35-win team, 36-win team. But if they're healthy, I really see the Wolves outperforming this expectation. Um, so... I thought overall it was a fair analysis. I think the biggest the biggest blind spot for me was the lack of um, acknowledgement that the McDaniels and the Edwards, the McDaniels could improve. I mean, what a shocking concept that maybe he'll improve in his second year in the league uh, offensively. And maybe Anthony Edwards will improve defensively in his second year in the league. I know that not every rookie gets that much better their second year, but they were good enough as rookies. We're talking incremental improvement. He also doesn't think a whole lot about Leandro Balmaro. Um, and he he basically says, uh, you know, he could be something, but he might not be. I mean, it was kind of a non-committal. What was his one line about Balmaro? He says, not sure he can play, but risk-taking style will keep things interesting. Not exactly a ringing endorsement. And we saw multiple places. Balmaro this year likely would have been a lottery pick in a stacked draft because he was so good last year in Europe and was a first round pick last year before he'd even played in the early league. So um, there were a couple of blind spots here, I think, that maybe undersell the likes of McDaniels and Balmaro. And uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see if maybe I'm overselling them once this thing's all said and done. But I think there's a little bit of short-sightedness there on the part of Hollinger. Okay, uh, next I want to get to the Chad Ford Top 25 Under 25 and uh, wrap up the show by talking about Anthony Edwards' presence on that list. Uh, we're going to do that here next. First, though, before we do that, let's talk about the aforementioned betonline.ag. We're back and we're better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football to basketball, boxing, and right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Let's also talk about our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. I promise you that. If you are a Built Bar, or excuse me, if you're a protein bar person and haven't had Built Bar, you're making a mistake. And if you don't think you're a protein bar person, you must not have tried Built Bar. I wasn't, um, but they're amazing. I have one every single day. They taste exactly like a candy bar. There's tons of delicious flavors, really anything with coconut, anything with caramel, anything with brownie in it. Um, if you haven't tried that many flavors or any flavors at all, you can get a mix box right now. You get two of each of the nine staple flavors over at BuiltBar.com. 
And not only are they healthy, or not only are they delicious, but they're healthy as well. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180 calories per bar, only four to five grams of sugar and four to five grams net carbs per bar. They're all delicious and they're all good for you. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And once again, uh, a quick thank you for everyone uh, to everyone for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. It's greatly appreciated. If you are listening on Apple, go ahead and help us out with a review. That definitely helps get us get us in front of more folks. And if you're following, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and like the video and subscribe as well. And uh, it's greatly appreciated. Okay, let's talk about the Chad Ford 25 under 25. So this was a list that uh, last week I forget which day, Wednesday or Thursday of last week, we talked about the fan sided top 25 under 25. Anthony Edwards somehow was outside the top 25 ranked, I think 29th on that list. I kind of took that list to task a little bit. That was by Ian Levy over at, at Fansided um, and Hickory High, I believe is the other place he he writes, if I'm not mistaken. And um, I thought it was I thought it was uh, a mistake to have Edwards outside of the top 25 under 25. Chad Ford, our friend from the uh, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast here in the Lockdown Podcast Network, of course, longtime college basketball analyst uh, over at ESPN. He... Um, he posted his 25 under 25 on uh, on his website, which is nbabigboard.com. So a lot of his content is a uh, subscriber only, so I'm I'm not gonna you know uh, read through everything here. But I want to talk about the, the the piece where Edwards is listed. Part one of his top 25 under 25 is free to everybody to read. It's not uh, behind a paywall at all. So go to and go to nbabigboard.com and check it out. The title of this article is Top 25 Under 25 Ranking the NBA's Best Young Players, Including Rookies. And uh, he has this uh, formula not to, I, I talked on uh, about his future talent rankings on uh, yesterday, Thursday's show this week. Um, and he had a really extensive formula to evaluate each team's future talent and pretty similar to how he did this as well. He uses a couple of analytics models, Darko and the LeBron analytics model, model which is from B, our friends over at B-Ball Index. Um, to rate each player. And then he, uh, for rookies, he used the draft tier system that he used from before the draft. And then he went ahead and, and ranked players 25 to one. So 25 on this list was Lonzo Ball. I'm not going to compare all these to the fan-sided list, but Lonzo was right around that uh, on the fan-sided list as well. Jaron Jackson Jr. is at 24. Um, I, I think he'll end up higher than this after this season. Remember, he only played 11 games last year uh, due to injury. But two years ago, it was fantastic um, for Memphis. Darren Fox is number 23, and Ford says he sits right on the cusp of being an NBA All-Star, averaging 25 points a game last season, and um, his defensive numbers, of course, not being great. Brandon Ingram is 22. Uh, now, of course, last year was a little bit uh, a little bit disappointing for him, but um, he's got Ingram there at 22. Jonathan Kaminga, the rookie Jonathan Kaminga, uh, at number 21, which is really high, and of course, Kaminga was selected in the slot that the Timberwolves would have had um, if they had kept their pick, uh, in, or I should say, if their pick had not been traded as part of the uh, as part of the the um, D'Angelo Russell Andrew Wiggins trade. So, Kaminga's on this list at twenty one, which is interesting. He's just eighteen years old. Jalen Suggs, Minnesota native, at number twenty. Scotty Barnes, number nineteen. So we're getting into a bunch of rookies here. John Collins, of course, just got his extension with the Atlanta Hawks. Was a long time uh, rumored interest target of interest for the Timberwolves. He's at number eighteen on this list. Jalen Brown of the Celtics, number 17. So a couple guys who've been in the league in a while for a while. And then Anthony Edwards, who's the first sophomore, I, I believe, on this list listed. Number 16, 
Now, remember, he was 29 on the fan-sided list. I'll read what Chad says here. Again, this is a free article if you go check it out at nbabigboard.com. Chad says, Edwards' rookie season got off to a rocky start in Minnesota, but by the second half, he was looking the part of a number one pick in the draft. His advanced stats aren't impressive yet, and NBA scouts and GMs worry about his feel for the game, but his numbers after the All-Star break were awesome for a rookie. 24 points per game, five rebounds, three assists per game with 45% shooting from the field and 35% from beyond the arc. In May, during the final eight games, he averaged 27 points, four assists per game, shot 41% from three. If he averages near those numbers as an NBA sophomore, he's too low on this list. And that's the thing, right? I've talked extensively on this show about his post-All-Star break numbers, his numbers, especially the final six, eight, 10 weeks of the season, April, May. Um, and, and then here, you know, Chad says his final eight games of the season, 27 and four, 41% from three. Um, the, the, one, the one thing here about the feel for the game, I mean, yes, Edwards didn't always have the best feel in, say, a pick and roll game or always initiate an offense. He didn't always make the right decision. He's a 19-year-old rookie that was the only really, frankly, a decent player on his team at University of Georgia. So I don't know that it's as much a feel thing as it is a getting used to the NBA game. Um, his instincts when he's going to the basket, he rarely makes the wrong decision. He doesn't get caught in between a lot. Yeah, there were some stretches early last year where he shot a lot of long twos. But for the most part, his shot selection's decent. Um, and, and there's no worries about his feel for the game when he's dunking over guys, finishing through contact for and ones. Um, and as we saw on Monday, his defensive field continues to improve as well uh, in Monday's preseason game against the Pelicans. Yes, one game. Yes, preseason. Uh, yes, a depleted Pelicans team. Um, but I don't think we can completely discount it either. So we'll keep an eye on his feel this year. But if his feel is halfway there with his athletic ability, his scoring ability, his uh, his desire to be great. I think that's pretty obvious to anybody who spent you know a, a minute watching him or or listening to an interview that he gives. Right, Anthony Edwards wants to be great, and that's a huge part of the battle. Um, so even if he's still working on his feel for the NBA game specifically, um, I think 16 is a fair ranking. You know, I, I certainly there's going to be guys that are ranked ahead of him, and and that makes sense, right? But Next year, this list, he's probably top five if he continues to grow like he did in April, May of this year. I mean, frankly, if he plays like he did in April and May of uh, 2021 for the entire season, he's an all-star. I mean, those are all-star numbers. Um, and, and that's obviously a big projection for him to carry over what he did for, say, eight weeks in the spring into an entire NBA season as a as a 20-year-old. But uh, that's that's the type of production he was putting up last year. It is legit all star level production towards the end of the season. Um, so I think Chad's ranking at number sixteen here is is completely fair. So go check that out at nbabigboard.com. Okay, Wolves preseason game number two at Denver, eight p.m. Central on Friday night. This game is also on Valley Sports North if you have League Pass or live in the Twin Cities. Um, and uh, we'll likely do a post game pod this weekend. It may be Saturday uh, morning before it gets up. We'll do a quick post game pod with studs and duds and key takeaways from the game, and then we'll be back at it on Monday. Of course, we're daily now, Monday through Friday, and uh, we'll do post game pods after every single game. There's a couple more preseason games on the docket next week that are on NBA TV, so we're going to cover all that. Um, so be sure if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast that you do so, and uh, you can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts, including of course, YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. Uh, for those of you that are listeners, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. And uh, be sure you're subscribed on your favorite uh, platform that you listen to. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.